In the year 1893, a ship carried Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi to Natal in South Africa. This was long before Gandhi became Mahatma. He was sailing to South Africa to take up a high-paying job as a 24-year-old barrister. That same year, another ship carried a 16-year-old boy from Calcutta to Fiji, an island nation beyond Australia. This unfortunate boy had unknowingly walked into slavery. Although the British called it indentured labor, it was actually slavery. Today's episode is the story of that boy Totaram Sanadhya and the thousands of other indentured laborers that were sent from India to Fiji over a period of 40 years. India is celebrating 75 years of independence and everybody knows how harsh and exploitative British rule was. But hardly anyone knows about the indentured laborers or coolies also called girmitias who were sent out from India. Girmitia is an interesting word. It comes from agreement. The poor uneducated laborers mispronounced agreement as girmit and that's how they came to be called girmitias. There's another word you will hear in this story, arkati. It comes from a mispronunciation of the word recruiter. Basically, the arkatis were the agents who recruited or tricked innocent poor people into going to Fiji. It was by sheer chance that I found the story of Totaram Sanadhya. When he returned from Fiji in 1914, he told his life story to a writer named Banarsi Das Chaturvedi over 15 days. Chaturvedi turned into a little book called Fiji Dweep Me Mere 21 Varsh. It became an important book because it stirred Indian leaders to fight for the end of the indentured labor system. But then it was forgotten. However, In 1991 an English translation came out under the title My 21 Years in the Fiji Islands. I recently read this English translation and was shocked by the beastly treatment of Indians that it describes. So let's begin Totaram Sanadhya's story. He was born in 1876 in a village called Hirangaon in the Ferozabad district of Uttar Pradesh near Agra. A very large number of girmitias were shipped to Fiji from Uttar Pradesh and I wish the state government would include their story in its school books. Totaram was a Brahmin. Yes, a Brahmin who became a slave and was treated like an animal. It all happened when his father Pandit Revati Ram died in 1887. Within a year the family became poor. Totaram's elder brother went to Calcutta to find work. And in 1893, not wanting to remain a burden on his mother, Totaram also left home to find work. He walked for 16 days with only 7 annas in his pocket and reached Prayag or Allahabad. He searched everywhere but could not find work. In this desperate phase of his life, an arkati found him and promised him good work. Totaram says the man told him I can get you a very good job. It's the sort of work which will make your heart joyful. He took Totaram with him to a house where 100 odd poor men and 60 women were already present. Nobody was allowed to go out. The arkati said the place they were going to was like paradise. You will eat a lot of bananas and a stomach full of sugarcane and play flutes in relaxation, he told them. For 3 days they were kept locked up in that house. 
Then all 165 of them were brought before a magistrate and told to answer yes to every question else he would throw them in jail. The magistrate asked each one of them only one question. Tell me, have you agreed to go to Fiji? In 20 minutes, each one of them had answered yes. Without knowing where Fiji was, what work they would have to do and what punishments they would face for refusing to do that work. As Totaram says, from saying only yes, there was five years of Kalapani. The term Kalapani loosely means exile and also refers to the prison sentences that were given to freedom fighters in the Indian Ocean Islands. Later in the book, Totaram tells the story of Ismail and Lalia, a couple from Kanpur who were tricked by Arkatis. Ismail was a porter at the Kanpur railway station. One day, an Arkati tricked him into going to Calcutta and sailing to Fiji. When Lalia came to know about this, she followed Ismail to Calcutta but missed his ship by three days. She also came to Fiji with her daughter and worked for three years but could not find Ismail. By then, Totaram had become a free man and a leader of the Indian community in Fiji. When he heard Lalia's story, he tried to find Ismail. Eventually, he found him on a plantation 500 miles away. He tried to arrange leave for both to meet, but their masters refused. Eventually, Ismail became ill with leprosy and was returned to India. He died on arrival in Calcutta. Lalia and he never met. The ruthless and unscrupulous Arkatis were everywhere. Totaram says you never knew when you were dealing with one. They roamed the streets of Mathura in religious garb. They could be priests in Haridwar or bankers in Kanpur. Some were doctors. Back to Totaram's story. The 165 poor people who had said yes to the magistrate were packed in a special train and sent to Howrah. There they learned for the first time that they would be bonded labourers for five years. If they wanted to return after five years, they would have to pay their own fare. But if they worked in Fiji for 10 years, the government would take care of their return. A labourer was paid only 12 vanas or three quarters of a rupee every day in Fiji. It was impossible for them to save enough money for the return journey. When Totaram became a free man at the end of five years, he was 15 shillings in debt. On hearing the conditions, Totaram told the labour depot officer he did not want to go to Fiji as five years was a very long time and besides, he had never done manual labour. He was locked up in a room for one day and one night without food and water. After that, he agreed to go. Remember, Totaram was only 16 at the time, the age of a class 11 student. He says the poor, trapped labourers were so simple and ignorant that when they were given soap to bathe before their departure, they thought it was barfi, a kind of Indian sweetmeat, and bit into it. The islands of Fiji had come under British control in 1876, the same year that Totaram was born. The supply of Girmitia labourers started in 1879 for cultivating sugarcane, and in the next 35 years, till the system was abolished in 1916, altogether 60,537 Indian labourers were sent to Fiji. In 1911, 
Indians were the second largest group in Fiji, making up about 29% of the population. Totaram and the others were in the 24th batch of Germitias from India. They sailed in a ship called the Jamna that reached Fiji on the 28th of May after a three-month voyage. By then, Totaram had turned 17. On the ship, each person was allotted a space that was six feet long and one and a half feet wide. There was no respect for caste distinctions. Now you might say what's wrong with that. But 130 years ago, to a Brahmin brought up strictly by the caste code, being forced to share space and utensils with the so-called lower castes was worse than physical torture. If they complained the space was cramped, the white ship doctor shouted, Son of a bitch, you have to stay here. On the ship, each laborer was given four dog biscuits to eat with a little bit of sugar. The biscuits were so hard they had to be broken up by pounding with a fist and then soaked in water to be eaten. Many of them died of seasickness on the way and their bodies were thrown into the ocean. When they reached Fiji, the island's white planters came to take their coolies or girmetias. Here the book tells us for the first time that they had to pay 210 rupees per coolie to the immigration department. That was the British government's selling price for an Indian labourer. Once they reached the plantations, the men were lodged three to a room that measured only 8 feet by 12 feet. They had to work 10 hours a day and survive on meagre rations for which money was deducted from their wages. Totaram says the weekly ration was just enough for four days. The Girmitias had to wake up by 4 am and be in the plantations by 5. They were given more work than they could possibly do. When they failed to complete their task, they were taken to the magistrate who fined or jailed them. In this way, the workers lost 10 to 20 days wages in fines. The work expectations were so severe that J.W. Burton, a Christian missionary who was sympathetic to the Girmitias, said they were being used like Indian agricultural instruments. Totaram says only 5% of the workers could do their full task. In the year 1907, for example, one in every eight Indian Girmitias was fined or sent to jail for so-called laziness. Totaram was a clever youth and he realized that if he slogged the way the planters expected him to, he would not survive long. One day when the plantation doctor came for their physical inspection, he slipped out of the queue and ran. By the time his turn came, he was back in the queue with his heart beating fast. The doctor examined him and looked up physically. Totaram said he had asthma. And so the doctor reduced his daily work to half. If I had not been clever, then full task would have been written by my name and I would have died working, Totaram says in the book. But not everyone was so smart or lucky. Many Girmitias hanged themselves to death from fear of hard labour, jail and beatings. Deen Bandhu C.F. Andrews wrote that in 1913, there were 37 suicides per million people in India, but in Natal, South Africa, which also had indentured labour, there were 662 suicides per million people among the coolies. That's an 18 times higher suicide rate. The punishments for not completing daily tasks were severe. The coolies could be made to do very hard labour in isolation. 
While working alone, they could be beaten up by the overseers, and because they had to work under the same planter for five years, they were afraid to complain. When an inquiry commission was sent from India in 1913, a Girmetia who had been beaten mercilessly came to meet Commission member Chiman Lal at his hotel with two of his broken teeth. Chiman Lal wrote him a note, but when the labourer came out of the hotel, his supervisor threatened him. and he dropped the idea of formally lodging a complaint totaram also narrates some cases of abuse against women there's one about kunti and her husband who were residents of lakhuapur in gorakhpur district on the 10th of april 1912 kunti's overseer sent her to cut grass far away from the other workers he intended to rape her but when he attacked her she jumped into a river and escaped She later complained to the owner of her banana plantation but he sent her away. 2 days later the overseer sent her to work a mile away from her husband and then beat him up brutally. Kunti managed to get her story to a journalist. It was published in a newspaper called Bharat Mitra. An immigration officer was sent from India to investigate her case. He threatened her but she stood by her statement. Another woman named Narayani suffered a worse fate. Two days after her newborn child died, her overseer ordered her back to work. This was against the rules as new mothers were not expected to work for three months. Narayani refused to work, and her overseer thrashed her so brutally that she had to be sent to hospital. Her case went to the Supreme Court of Fiji in Suva. Narayani was so weak that she had to be carried to the courthouse on a stretcher, but the overseer was declared not guilty. After that Narayani lost her mind. The Girmitias were in a hopeless situation because the coolie inspectors appointed by the immigration department were in league with the planters. Totaram says, how could they be concerned about the Indian workers when they spent their plantation visits drinking brandy at the homes of the planters? Even when Indians became free, they were abused in different ways. They could not rent a room on Fiji's steamers. even if they were willing to pay full fare an english lawyer totaram visited told his wife cover your mouth and nose with a hanky otherwise you will get sick from the air coming out of the mouth of this black man if the free indians started their own plantation their sugarcane and bananas were bought at a fraction of the price paid to the whites and what was all this human suffering for chiefly sugar Totaram says the real king of Fiji was the Colonial Sugar Refining Company. Burton the missionary said the inhuman conditions in Fiji were inevitable because a company of course has no soul. So long as its labor is maintained in sufficient health to do its tasks, no more is required. The same may be said of its mules and bullocks. The Girmitias were probably worse off than mules and bullocks. That's why In the 75th year of India's independence it is important that we remember these poor unfortunate people who suffered so much thousands of miles from their home